outside ain't even paying attention. This students coordinator is something I have been fortunate enough to do for the last few years, and it's kind of crazy because some of y'all I knew in, uh, when you were middle schoolers, and now some of y'all are leading middle schoolers, and it's crazy. But hey, it's a privilege to be here tonight. Uh, we are continuing on our series on Give Till It Hurts. Can somebody say, Give Till It Hurts? Does that mean give when it's only comfortable? No, give till it what? Hurts. All right, so I'm going to start off by praying, and then we're going to jump in with the question. So God, we just say thank you for tonight. God, we say thank you for what you're doing in this place and as a whole, God, but also individually in our own hearts. God, we pray, Lord, where there are things that might be blocking us, distractions um, that we held when we came in or whatever it may be in just our life, God, we ask will you just begin to remove it. And God, we say, will you come into this space? Will you come into our hearts? And we say, we don't want this if you're not in it. And God, we just say, thank you for this service. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. Hey, so have y'all ever been broke? Raise your hand if you're broke right now. All right, all right, all right. Raise your hand if you literally have less than a dollar to your name. Bless them. Just bless them, God, right? So, or y'all can bless them. So have y'all ever been broke and then somehow managed to get a hold of some money? Maybe it'd be birthday money. It could be uh, Christmas money, Chinese New Year money, if that's you. I don't know. It could be your first job that you suddenly grow in your amount of wealth, and then now you have money, and you just feel bougie, right? You know what I'm talking about? You're like, you know what? We are going to add the bacon on that burger. This, this stimmy, the stimulus check right? Then you get taxed on later, and you're like, that was not worth it. That was not worth it at all, God. <laughs> I don't like paying taxes. But there are moments in our life where we come across uh, more wealth than we previously had. When, when I was 14, I got my first job at Jerry Bob's. How many of y'all been to Jerry Bob's? Woo, right? Like, you're like, it's, okay. But I was 14 years old. I was a freshman at Marana. And I started working six hours a weekend at Jerry Bob's. I was only legally allowed to work six hours. If it was like six and a half hours, I started getting nervous. I just thought like SWAT was going to bust in. Never happened. Don't tell anybody if you're related to a law enforcement officer. Um, but I was allowed to work six hours a weekend. I would work Friday nights, and then I'd work Saturday mornings. And I was making about in six hours as a 14-year-old, somewhere between $75 and $100 a weekend. And mind you, this is before inflation and gas was like $5 a gallon. And I didn't have bills because I was 14. I didn't even have a license yet. So I was just holding on to money. The first time I deposited all of my bills, I went in with a roll of $300, $1 bills. They hated me. They're like, what? This doesn't help me, sir. And I, I just had money. I went from never being able to buy a video game to now I could buy a video game every weekend and get the DLC. Right? All the guys were like, my lord. He's living my dream. And in that, I would kind of just throw money around. I would buy stuff for my friends. You want to make chicken? I got you. Get two. Oh, you want a piece of gum? Here's $2. Get a pack. Don't talk to me no more. You want an Arizona iced tea? Treat yourself. I got you. And it was $1 here, $1 there. And, and also at that time, uh, it was the year 2013, and Drake just dropped the song, started from the bottom. So that was my anthem. I got money. I got started from the bottom by Drake. I, I, just, I just felt great. But fast forward a few years. Now I'm in college. Now I have bills. I have to pay for gas. I have student loans. And I find myself being a tribe leader here, um, leading a group of 15 hungry teenagers. And now it hurts me a bit more when one of them goes, 
hey, can I get a burger? I'm like, bro, I ain't, I ain't got that money no more. It ain't like that the same. What do you mean you're buying two burgers at Top Golf, bro? I already paid for you to get in. Like that, chill out, man. You want cheese on that burger? Mm-mm. But I didn't have as much financial freedom, but I enjoyed giving more. Because in those four years, I, I, I learned the value of our giving, of giving wasn't necessarily just a place of giving to give or, or an X amount of dollars, but I learned that it came from the value of my own character. Because here's the thing, we oftentimes want to give a lot, but it doesn't mean a lot. We oftentimes love to just help out a friend, and sometimes, and that's okay, but oftentimes we find ourselves being comfortable with doing the bare minimum. If you look in the, gen, in the definition of generous, it says showing a readiness to give more of something as money or time than is strictly necessary or expected. Generosity is going above and beyond what's expected of you, but going above and beyond what is comfortable for yourself. See, buying a McChicken wasn't hard for me. It wasn't uncomfortable. But suddenly I had bills and student loans, and and now being generous might have felt a bit more uncomfortable on my wallet, but I was giving from a place of authenticity and genuine care. Because oftentimes in society, we see on the news um, Warren Buffett or Bill Gates, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos giving exorbitant amount of money to charities. And we're like, man, that's crazy. And, and though it is helpful and though it is good, we oftentimes overlook what we can do ourselves. Because we look at people with big pocketbooks and big bank accounts and think, well, they're the ones that make the difference in the world. Well, they're the ones that make the impact. I'll never be able to do anything like that. You might not be billionaire Bezos and go to the moon. You might not have start up a a Fortune 500 company. You might not create the next NFT. But God is asking you to work with what he's given you. Jesus doesn't look at rich people that donate big amounts as the heroes, but he looks at you and sees what you have and asks, what can you do with it? If you have your Bible, turn to Luke 21, starting in verse 1. I'll give you guys a few seconds. If you have your Bibles, can you all wave it for me, wave it for me, wave it for me if it's your phone? That counts too. Sweet. Luke 21, starting in verse 1. A little bit of context. And at the end of Luke 20, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees in the temple. And basically, he's telling them about how oftentimes people in society like to be selfish or prideful or arrogant, oftentimes at the expense of those who don't have as much. And it says here in verse 1, as he's talking with them, it says, As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. So this woman only had two coins. Back then, if you became a widow, there was a very good chance you were doomed. Back then in this society and culture, if you were a married woman and your husband died, that was your main source of income for your family. If you didn't have sons to take care of you, it was even worse. 
It wasn't common for women to own property, and it wasn't common for women to work. So oftentimes, when a woman would become a widow, she would then go into homelessness. So it is very likely that this woman was homeless, and she only had two coins to her name. But it says here that, 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 that these men and these, these, these people who gave into the temple treasury gave out of their wealth. But Jesus says, going back to verse 4, that she gave all she had. If you look at the context, if you do a little bit of looking up and searching, and you find out that these two coins, one coin was the equivalency of 1% day's pay. So if you got 100 coins, you got a day's pay. She had two. All she had in terms of her own value was 2% of a day's pay. If you do the math to what it is now, if you worked a full eight hours in the state of Arizona at $13.85 minimum wage, that lady was worth less than 28 cents. She was worth a quarter and two pennies, and she gave it all. She gave everything she had. See, these men gave a lot in terms of financial value, but Jesus said that these two pennies were worth more than all of the rest combined. These men gave from what was comfortable, what was expected, but she went above and beyond and gave her all. See, Jesus physically saw this woman do it in the temple, but I'm here to tell you, Jesus sees every time you give now. See, our first point for tonight, if you're writing, take, write this down. God sees what you give, but he's more interested in how you give it. See, in, later on in Scripture, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. He's writing to them, and, and he's talking about how the church in Asia is struggling. There has been famine, there has been poverty, and he's writing to the church in Corinth. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Can somebody say cheerful giver? See, when we give, we can't just be people that are led by our emotions. Because if we were led by our emotions, would you really give? That homeless person that you see on the side of the road, you go, I don't really feel like doing that right now. Or that person that forgets the wall, their wallet in the grocery store, and you go, no, I don't, I don't really feel like doing that right now. But at the same time, it says don't give out a compulsion. So we shouldn't be knee-jerk reaction every time someone asks for something that we give because you know those Sarah McLaughlin commercials and like the, the animal is like, in the arms, uh, and you're like, <laughs> take my quarter, God, I don't know. <laughs> Save the chihuahuas. <laughs> See, if every time there was something that came up on TV and we gave to that, we'd be operating not out of our heart but out of our emotion. But this verse also says God loves a cheerful giver. This verse does not say God loves a show-off sponsor. God doesn't love a person that goes, hey, uh, I'm going to give and I expect this back. I'm going to give to the missions trip for Kenya, but I expect my name on the social media page. But, hey, I'm selfless. God doesn't love a debt collector. Hey, man, remember that two years ago? I helped you out. Can you help me out now? Hey, remember that time I gave you a dollar two years ago? 
And you're like, bro, a dollar's worth like 50 cents now. Come on, bro. Like, inflation. Right? And then you go, or people go, hey, let me, let me help you out. But, but they do it in such a way that you go, I don't even want your help no more. Right? We, I've been that person. I've been guilty of it. But God so all, it also does not say God loves a gaslighting giver. Man, you really need me. Man, you wouldn't have anything if it wasn't for me. Oh, I was going to use this for myself, but I guess. It says we must give cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver because when you give from a genuine heart, we are acting like Jesus. Jesus gave. Jesus gave his own life. Jesus served. And when we serve, we are acting like Jesus. We are operating in what he has called us to do as believers. Because when we are generous, we are closer to looking like him. Next point in this message. Giving is good for us. It is a privilege to give. It is a privilege to give. We are blessed to be a blessing. We give with joy. It is our act of worship. We say this. We believe this at Zion City. We recognize that God has blessed us in many ways, and we want to be a blessing too because when we give, we get to be a part of what God is doing in the kingdom. It might not always be on the other side of the world. It might not always be to a relief fund. It might literally be buying your friend a McChicken. But that's a blessing. We get to operate from a place of serving. See, does anybody in here have $2? Cash. Cash, 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 cash. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. see. Wave it up if you have $2 cash. Judah, come here. Judah's got money. He got money. Judah, what could you do with that $2? What were you planning on doing with that $2? Fries at school. What else could you do with it? A gumball machine. What else? Tip a service worker. Only $2. Hey, wait, wait, wait. We don't know the percent. He could have got a McChicken. That was 200%, right? Right? And he's like, what else could you do? Do or, that's weird. Okay, we do origami. That's weird. I, like, I would like to pay for Miss Arizona iced tea with this duck, right? You could put it towards a college fund. Put it in an Acorns account. Judah could do a lot with this. It's his money. He could use it for his own gain. Not that they're bad things. I mean, he could do bad things with it. I don't think he would. But let me ask you this, Judah. Would you be willing to give it away to someone? Really? Even though if it would cost you something? It's just $2? Would someone actually like $2 in here? Right? They're like, that's more. That's a, that's a lot. I haven't even seen that all year. Would you be willing to give it away? Why? It's not worth a lot. To someone else, it could be. So I'll ask you this. Is there someone in this room you'd be willing to give it to? Go ahead. It costs something to give. Yeah, you give it up for Judah, right? Like, yeah. Judah's like, I love the applause. That's why I give it. The thing is, our next point, blessing others allows God to bless you. I mean, it's only five, but you've gained. You can keep that. Blessing others. 
<laughs> y'all, if y'all need money, this man's got it right here. <laughs> Giving allows God to bless you. And our own human brains, we oftentimes think that, right, if what's one minus one? Zero. Judah had two. He gave it away. How much did he have? Zero. Right in our own mathematical brains, we think that when we give, we lose. But when we give, we gain. Proverbs 11, 24 through 25 says this. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Giving is a sacrifice. It costs us something. Because once again, our reality says that when we give, we lose. But Jesus, God does not work like that. God's kingdom is the opposite. That the more we give, the more he blesses. The more we steward, the more he takes care of you. That's a hard thing to recognize at times because, and I'm not saying that every time you get a dollar, you get a cash app notification. It's like dollar sign, Jesus Christ, dollar sign, $5. And the, the memo is like for blessing, right? I'm not saying that it's just like automatic, like, ching, 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 like, because y'all be like, I'm going to give everybody my money. I'm just going to, come on, Lord, that's how we get rich. But the thing is, is that when we give, God sees our faithfulness. God sees our sacrifice. Because when we live a life of willingness and readiness and humility to serve those around us, we also live a life of being ready to receive all God has for us. Closed hands can't give or get. Closed hands, if I had $100 in here, or whatever, it doesn't even need to be money, it could be life, that we could get so caught up of what we have and think this is, this is all I know. This is all I can, it could be a dream. Who knows what it is? That thing that you're holding on to so dearly that you're so, and God's like, open your hand. I want to give you more. And you're like, no, God, I don't know. And God's like, I have something for you. Giving requires an open hand. Receiving requires an open hand. We must be people who are willing to let go. Willing from a good heart to say, God, I believe in what you're doing. God has something for every single one of you. And it can be so easy to see what we don't have. It can be so easy to think about the job you don't have, the money you don't have, the rich parents you don't have. It can be so easy to disqualify ourselves, so easy to think we're not good enough or have nothing to give to the world. And it's so easy to look at other people and think, well, they can do it. They got the money. They got the time. The serve team will do it. Pastor Taylor will do it. He's got it. But here's the thing. God is not asking you to be someone else. He's asking you to be you, the best you. Pastor Taylor talked about last week that when we give our best, God gives his best. And when we are willing to be people who go, I am not everything I want to be right now, but this is what I got, God. It might be two coins. God can work with that. There's some of you in here who, have, who feel like you're not of any value, that you have nothing to give. I'm here to tell you, one, we're glad you're here. We love you. But God has something for you. 
Not just right now, but for your whole life. God does not just see you as the teenager now, but he also sees you from the day you were born to the day you die. God sees it all. And it's so easy to think, well, God, I'm right here. You won't be here forever. God's calling you to high thing. See, once again, the apostle Paul said, decide in your heart what to give. Decide in your heart what to give. Paul didn't go, hey, so Corinthians, I got like this like really cool plan that I think if we raise $20,000, we'll send it to the church in Turkey. I think if there's about a thousand of you in here, everybody gives, I don't know, I'm gonna say 20 bucks. And then there's like this manipulation thing. That's not what Paul says. Paul says, give out of your heart. Not what you feel, not what I'm telling you to give, but from out of your heart. So what's God asking you to give? Is it of your time? Is God asking you to start tithing? To start giving above what you currently give? Maybe it's a friend he's asking you to invest in. Maybe it's that homeless person that you drive by every day and you give the cold shoulder to. What is he asking you to do in your heart? Some of you have been asking God for many things. Raise your hand if you ask God for something, right? I'm like, yes, I have asked. God loves when we ask him for things. Scripture says that we, he knows our prayers before we even ask them. But here's the thing. God doesn't want us to just be people that ask him for things. Though he will listen, God also wants you to be a part of someone else's answered prayer. It says that God owns the cattle on a, on, on a thousand hills, meaning, metaphorically speaking, he owns it all. Ooh, almost tripped on my own feet. But here's the thing. God never does anything without people. Right? God could do whatever he wants. He's God. He made it all. He can end it all. He can start it all over. But God is looking for people who he can partner with. So I encourage you, are you only asking God to answer your prayers? Or are you also asking God to be a part of answered prayers? Once again, I'm not saying that this is easy. Giving from the heart can be hard. There's been times in, in our life, in my wife Claudia and I's life, where we had nothing. And God said, I want you to give more. With what? <laughs> where? <laughs> right? Where? And we said, okay, God, this is what we're hearing you say. A year ago, we were like, I don't know how we're going to do this. God, I don't know. <sighs> Candidly, being straight, IRS was like, you owe us. That's stimulus money. I was like, that's not really cool, Uncle Sam. <laughs> Didn't know at points we were going to make rent. Claudia's car cost us $400. That same week, my car failed $600. Suddenly, we're looking at $3,000 of between IRS, car things, rent stuff that came up. And God, you want me to give what? How? Here's the thing. If God is asking you to do it, it's not because he's going to leave you out to dry. He's going to be with you. And not just with you, he's going to give abundantly. So you could give abundantly. And it's amazing because I think about this now as we're going into Heart for Zion. I encourage you, if you're part of this church, I'd encourage you, ask the Lord what he wants you to give for Heart for Zion. A year ago, we were unsure about rent. A month ago, we bought a house. Like, 
And that's not, please hear me out, that's, that's not a, a flex. That's not because of what we've done. It's because God has been faithful. God, I will never be able to explain it. People have asked me how he did it. I don't know. Don't know. But God is looking at you, and he's saying, are you willing? Are you willing to go beyond what's, un- beyond what's comfortable? Are you willing to trust me? Are you willing to have the faith? Because here's the thing. When you give, there's a blessing for you, but for those around you. Joey, you could come up. Actually, worship team, you could come up. There might be some of you in here, and y'all could close, heads bowed, eyes closed. There might be a few of you in here that are like, you know what? I don't really know this whole thing. It might be your first time. You might have never been to church before. But maybe you're feeling this, just this part of you that's saying, man, I need to trust in this. Altar team, you could come up as well. But maybe you're in here and you're just like, man, I, I don't know. This is different for me. Or maybe you're also in here and you're like, I've never started a relationship with Jesus. I've never started a walk with God, but we don't just give to give. Jesus gave first. John 3.16 said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The greatest gift you could ever receive is his salvation. It says that he died for your sins, rose again on the third day, so that we could have relationship with God here on earth and for eternity. This is a gift we don't deserve as people because we're imperfect, but it's a free gift that you could receive. So with all heads bowed, all eyes closed, if you're in here and you just feel that tugging on your heart to receive that gift of Jesus being your Lord and Savior and starting a relationship with him, I just encourage you with all heads bowed, all eyes closed, just to raise your hand. If that's you and you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I encourage you just to raise your hand. See you guys. So this is what we're going to do. If y'all could stand up with me real quick. I'm going to pray. And if that's you that wants to start a relationship with Jesus, I want you to find one of these leaders up here. It could be a bold thing. It could be a scary thing. But I encourage you, there's something for you at this altar. So God, we just say thank you for today. God, we just say thank you that your presence is here tonight. And God, we just ask you right now for those people that need to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, God, will you just begin to speak to their heart? Will you just begin to draw them near? So on the count of three, I'm going to count to three, and if that's you and you want to receive um, prayer to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I encourage you to come up here. One, this is between you and God, no one else. Two, 
three. If that's just you, I encourage you to find a leader up here. you're in here. Can we get up for these people that are coming up, actually? Y'all making the best decision of your life. Maybe you're in here now, and you're like, I have a relationship with Jesus. But maybe you're feeling the tug that God is calling you to a higher thing, a new level of giving till it hurts. If you're in here and you feel that tug of taking things to the next level and, and trusting him more, I'm going to count to three and I want you to find a leader up here that's going to pray with you. And they're just going to pray boldness and the faith to trust in him. Because once again, this isn't all you. So if you're in here and you want to start stepping into something new. One, it's between you and God, nobody else. That's what he's calling you to. Two, there's blessing on the other side of this. Three, I encourage you to come up here if he's calling you to a greater level of trusting him. Come on up, come on up, come on up, come on up, come on up.